Welcome to Rewitched, a charmed 1998 rewatch podcast. Join us on our journey as we recap, examine, and critique the series episode by episode from the beginning. We'll be keeping our podcast spoiler free. So we welcome fans, new and old, to join us in watching and reflecting on one of our favorite shows. Currently, we're on season two. I'm your host, Jess Sabanko. And I'm your host, Mia Sabanko. Now let's get into this week's episode. This week, we're discussing season two, episode 11, Reckless Abandon. It originally aired on January 20th, 2000, and had 7.48 million viewers. So we start out in the manor and Piper is packing a basket in the conservatory and then Prue comes in asking if she's seen slides anywhere and Piper tells her where they are and then Prue tells Piper that her boss is sending two employees with the best presentation to New York for a conference all expenses paid and she and Jack want to get picked for it and then Piper immediately asks are you going to sleep with him and Prue's like Piper it's just a business trip that's all. She's like, mm-hmm. And then Piper lets her know that the basket is for Lisa's baby shower and she's making it from all three of them and that she needed a blanket and a little little matching bear. Prue's like, you knit? I didn't even know you knit. And then Prue's like, I guess it's a really good practice for you, huh? And Piper's like, what are you talking about? She's like, you, Dan, little Dan. Piper's like, whoa, slow down. Dan is the one that has a relationship on the fast track, not me. Says, don't get me wrong he's great but that doesn't mean I'm ready to move in with him or anything else of that nature and Bruce's like I just hate guys that aren't afraid to commit they're just so atypical <laughs> Piper doesn't find it funny though and Prue's like I don't see what the problem is you and Dan are great together and you think you love him right she's like I think so it's just every time I feel like I'm ready to commit to him I flash back to our little trip to the future and seeing me with Leo and Prue's like, Piper, Dan is here now in the present, and that's all that matters. She's like, I know, I know, but I'm not ready for a baby shower either. And they both just kind of look at each other. So this brings us back to an idea that we were talking about either last episode or the one before that, like, she can never get Leo out of her head. Like, no matter who it is she's with, like, he's always there, which, you know, is giving me that soulmate vibe that I pick up every so often about the two of them. Oh, yeah. Definitely. That's yeah. And I think like it kind of does make a little more sense. Not only does she love Leo so much, as we all know, and I mean, like low key, it's kind of obvious, like Leo is really the one that you want. Like that's how I feel like at this point, that's been made clear to me. But also the fact that she did go to the future and in the future, she was with Leo and they had a baby like it if I saw imagine seeing that in your future like yeah things can change but it's weird because you're like well is this what's supposed to happen and that would constantly be running through my mind yeah definitely and I mean in the future she saw their daughter and it's not like their daughter was like a newborn right so something says that if this is meant to happen like this is meant to happen in the next like three years yeah so she really like I guess, is invested in the idea that, like, me and Leo sometime in the next three years are supposed to get together and have our daughter and get married and have this whole future together. But then there is Dan in the present and Leo is gone. And that must be, like, really conflicting. Yeah. And it's really hard because Dan is also so good to her. And the fact that she's not 
like still having this much trouble with the idea like Piper said it many times like oh I'm a romantic you know like I love these things and this and that Dan does all those things and she still seems to be like kind of holding back a little Mm -hmm. which I assume has to do with Leo at least partially and of course the idea of having to tell him their secret but all around I can understand Piper's like confliction here yeah me too for sure but I mean otherwise in this scene I mean Prue's line I just hate guys that aren't afraid to commit they're so atypical hilarious (laughs) yeah that one that that one slayed I love that joke (laughs) aside from that just a little intro nothing too important yeah I mean you know little bits of Prue and Jack but I think we can get more into that later in the episode agreed so then we're at the police station and there's a baby crying and we see someone like bringing a carrier into the station. They walk past Phoebe and Daryl who are sitting at his desk and she's asking for a job basically. And he tells her, it's not that I don't appreciate your offer, but I don't need word to get out that I'm using a psychic to solve my cases. She says, so no one needs to know. You just give me the evidence. I touch it. And if I get a flash, then we're in business. And she kind of makes a joke about him having sausage for breakfast and other cops are staring at them as she like fakes this premonition. And he's kind of like to them, move along. And Phoebe notices the baby and that the cops are trying to get him to stop crying, but they're doing it like in the wrong way. Daryl tells her that the baby was abandoned. And then Phoebe goes over and like takes the rattle away from the cops because they're scaring the baby and... Daryl follows her. She takes the rattle and she calms the baby down and she sees on his blanket that his name is Matthew. And she goes to Daryl, see, I told you I could help you. All babies need is love. And she picks up the baby and has a premonition of a man holding him who we can assume is his father being electrocuted. And Daryl asks if she's okay. And she looks at the baby. It's sad. (laughs) The poor baby really adorable too by the way but um yeah so we get this idea of you know obviously something to do with this baby is gonna happen and this like weird ghost man that can electrocute people which later in the episode I do want to talk about some like confusion I have with that but Mm -hmm. we'll get there when we meet you know that character okay cool otherwise I mean you know we're starting to get this idea that I know we brought this up a couple episodes ago too about kind of like how respected Daryl is and now we're seeing that like other cops are definitely noticing his involvement with like the freaky deaky stuff and him working with psychics and stuff and they definitely have thoughts on it and we could talk more about Daryl's reaction to like their judgments of him throughout the episode but here I mean you know he's kind of just like move along like he doesn't want people to know what's going on like he's trying to keep the supernatural world and the cop world very separate even though as we know they're very entwined with each other so it's definitely going to be difficult for him yeah I really do like the way the show like included that you know like the cops are involved in these things not the cops but like we have our we have our Daryl and had Andy and things like that but it makes sense you know like I feel like a lot of supernatural shows it's like you know like where'd they find the body how did they solve this how did they explain this to the police and whatever but in in here they always show that part of it you know like they always let us know like oh 
you know, we got Daryl, you covered up and did this, like, a lot of shows I always, always leave me questioning about those things, but this one does a really good job at, like, kind of explaining it, for the most part. Yeah, definitely. I know I brought up in our intro episode before we even started our rewatch, kind of talking about the idea of kind of copaganda in the show. But the more we've been watching, the more it's made sense to me that they did have this connection like you're talking about with these homicide detectives in Mm -hmm. Andy and then in Daryl. Like it just it really brings something together that would have left a lot of holes plot wise otherwise. Exactly. Yeah. And about the whole Daryl and him being respected. Yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not exactly sure what his position fully is or what it means, what it entails. But it seems like now he's got like a higher standing and he needs to protect his reputation a little bit harder than he used to have to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then the theme song plays and we go back to the manor and Phoebe is sitting in the living room with Piper, who's holding the baby. And she says, so I can't figure out if the premonition was the future or the past, but if it was the past, it would make sense that they'd abandon him to try to save him. And Piper's like, um, you know, I'm not really good with these things. And Phoebe's like, do the rock and walk and that it was definitely a ghost in her premonition. She explains that Daryl let her take him for 24 hours and then social services will start asking questions. Piper's like, so what are we supposed to do with him now? Raise him in the way of witchcraft? (laughs) Teach him how to fight ghosts? And then he starts crying again. And Piper's like, okay, Phoebe, you should take him. And she does, and she gets him to calm down. Piper's like, wow, you really are natural at this. She's like, I can't, yeah, I can't wait to have a baby of my own someday. And then Piper says, I'm beginning to think Dan fell in love with the wrong sister. And Phoebe just kind of looks at her, and she's like, nothing, never mind. Then Piper goes over with the bear she knitted and Matthew like projectile vomits on this bear. (laughs) And Phoebe's like, yeah, he doesn't like things being waved in his face. And then she wipes his face up. And that's when Prue walks in yelling. And she's like, all right, this better be good because my New York trip is at stake. And they both shush her. And she notices the baby and she's like, we have a baby. And Piper's like, Phoebe picked it up at the police station. And says how she thought Phoebe was asking Daryl about a job, not a kid. Phoebe tells Prue that Matthew was abandoned and Prue's like, in an Eddie Bauer car seat and a blanket lined in silk? I don't get it. If the parents could afford such expensive stuff, how come they couldn't keep the kid? Phoebe's like, I don't think that's why he was abandoned. And Piper starts freaking out about him not falling asleep. And Phoebe tells Prue that Piper has baby issues. And uh, Prue's like, I know. And then they tell Prue about the premonition that Phoebe had, and Phoebe says that she's going back to the station at lunch to meet with a sketch artist to ID the father. And Prue's like, good, because the only way to find out why the ghost is after the baby is by finding out who he belongs to. Then Phoebe starts heading out, and Prue has to go back to work. And then Piper's like freaking out, nervous about being alone with the baby, and Prue tells her to think of it as a test run. And Piper's like, I don't need a test run. I remember when Phoebe was a baby and it was hard on mom and endless and with you dropping her all the time. <laughs> and Phoebe's like, wait, what? And Prue's like, okay, moving on. What's the point? And Piper's like, we need like diapers and bottles and formula and a million other things. And then Prue volunteers to go shopping and Phoebe tells her she'll be fine and leaves too. And Matthew immediately starts crying and you can just see how stressed Piper is. Yeah. So... 
I like the idea of them like kind of making those jokes and Piper freaking out a little more about like having to take care of the baby. I do feel like it's a bit drawn out how much she's like, oh, oh God, a baby. Like, oh, what do I do? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like they, they kind of play that role a little too hard in this, but it, it still works. It's not bad. <laughs> yeah, it's also interesting because I feel like in the past, like Prue is the one who kind of seemed like unsure about kids. So then like having it switched to Piper felt a little to me yeah that doesn't I mean you would think Piper of all of them would kind of be the one that's like okay like you know I know I could hold a baby I could do this but yeah I don't know it's it is weird to see that shift in Piper because it kind of doesn't fit her character that well yeah though I did like seeing how kind of natural it all was coming to Phoebe and kind of the how much like Prue knows about like how much everything costs like that was cute too and that like worked for me but also you know the you kept dropping Phoebe all the time when she yeah was- <laughs> yeah that was so funny but also this again brings up with for me like their ages how does Piper remember yeah wasn't she like two that's what I'm saying like how old were you two or three you remember this yeah like it would make sense for Prue to remember Phoebe being a baby but not Piper to remember Phoebe being a baby exactly I mean unless she was maybe like a year I guess if she was like four at best but it doesn't really make that much sense like if Phoebe was one or two and she was four but you're still like too big to be a baby and then Prue's only six like uh, yeah it doesn't like, that would be, like, me remembering, like, oh, I remember when Ash was a baby. No, I don't. I'm two years older than Ash. Yeah, like, you <laughs> I would I remember never... when you were a baby, because I was, like, eight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but not, not her. Wow, that's so funny to think about that. Like, I've never known you as a baby, but you've known me as a baby. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't make too much sense about that like you would be way too little to really pick up on things like that I mean as far as age-wise because they said in the beginning that Piper's two years older right it's either two or three I don't think it's like because we get the idea in season one Piper was 26 Phoebe was either 22 or 23 and Prue turned 28 so so it's so there's like a good they're either like three or four years apart but like yeah, so it would make sense if maybe she was, like, four almost, or, like, a little bit, you know? But I, like, I guess it would make a little more sense that way. Because I remember when we went to the past and we saw them, Piper looked at least four years old and Phoebe wasn't even alive. Yeah, and it's one of those things where it kind of, like, I'll comment on this later in the show because the line that proves it comes up way later, but I think Phoebe's age changes because I think in season one, they make her either like they make her 22, Mm -hmm. but later on, they say that in season three, she was older. So like her age kind of shifts in the series and we can talk about that when it actually happens. But like, so that's why some of the age difference things between the sisters gets confusing because I don't even think the writers remember how old they're supposed to be. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't feel very consistent that way, but I don't know, I guess. Yeah, we'll definitely talk about that more once we get there. Yeah. 
So then we're at like a store and Prue has a cart that's like full to the top with stuff and toys for the baby. And she can't reach the diapers and some other stuff. So she uses her powers to get them down from the top shelf. And as she's doing this, Jack pulls up on a scooter like and is chasing after a kid who's also on a scooter. And Prue's like, Jack, hey, what are you doing here? He's like getting my ass kicked by a five-year-old. I would also like to note that that kid was not five. Yeah, that no, kid was that like kid, nine. Yeah, that kid had to be like nine, ten years old. <laughs> but anyway, so Jack's like still yelling after him and Prue's like, how did you find me? He's like, your assistant told me. What she didn't tell me is what the hell you're doing here. She's like, just a little bit of a family emergency. She says that her baby cousin Matthew is staying with them for a day or so. And he asks when she's coming back to work. She says right after she drops this stuff off at the house. And then there will be no more interruptions. He says, good. For a second there, I thought maybe you'd change your mind about going to New York. She says, wait a second. Who's been working late for the past three nights to get our presentation done? He said, yeah, well, that's before I thought we had a chance to win. So when you disappeared, I figured that maybe you had second thoughts. She said, no, I want to go to New York. And believe me, I would much rather be at work right now than trying to figure out whether to get aloe-lined or Velcro-tabbed or elastic cuff thingy diapers. She's like, you wouldn't happen to know anything about diapers, would you? Jack's like, me? No. See, that would involve knowing something about babies, which I know absolutely zero about. Now, what I do know is something about the Big Apple. Specifically, romantic restaurants, hit clubs, secret getaways. And then he reminds her that the presentation is at three and that the plane leaves tomorrow at nine. And then he like takes off on the scooter and Prue looks over at a mom and a baby and kind of like is like starts feeling it. Feeling it. She wants to be a mommy. So this is another thing that I felt like was played a little too dramatically. Like, you know you're not going to have Matthew that long. There's no way. Like, why is your cart filled to the top? On top of that, like, not that Prue should know about babies, but she raised her sisters, basically. Like, she helped with all that. You would think she'd, like, at least know, like, oh, he's a baby, so he probably just needs, like, like let me get him. He's going to be here for a day. Let me get him just a thing of diaper. Like, it doesn't. Literally, so, she needed, like. too extra one pack of diapers one or two outfits like or maybe formula. like a binky and formula and like that's it yeah a couple of bottles had, like yeah I would have had six things in that cart why is it filled to the br- like two like where things are falling out that was so extra to me <laughs> and the best is we see that she has all these toys but then later when we're back at the manor we never see any of those toys she bought being played with by the baby <laughs> like where did everything go and she walked into the manor with like three bags, but that was at least like six bags worth of stuff. It, no, yeah, that was super weird. But I mean, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> also, as far as like the her and Jack stuff goes in this mm-hmm. scene, I also think they're overplaying like how much he's like hating on like baby stuff. Yeah. That was another thing I was thinking too and they do it again later in the episode where like they kind of have Jack overplay the whole like oh whoa like I'm not I am not that guy you know what I mean like <laughs> and it's like okay we get it but like like what like, are you doing? Like you and Prue haven't even done anything and you're sitting here being like 
whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm, yeah, I'm whoa. never going to be a father. Too much, too much pressure right now, okay? Like, nobody's even Like, you guys anything. have gone out, like, four times. Relax. Yeah. I don't think she's trying to have a baby with you. Yeah, no one's putting any any pressure on you, Jack. Yeah, but it... It did feel a little overplayed. Not that it was, like, it didn't work. Like, I still... Things are going well. I hate to just be pointing out the flaws, but it just seems like in a couple of scenes they've been overplaying a lot of those things. Yeah. And, like, like it's comedic. Just, it's funny. Yeah. But, like, we can't just see that. Like, you can't just give us... Like, they could easily give us the same idea by, like, just having them be like, dude, like, ah, oh, God, I, I haven't taken care of a baby in years. Like, I understand being a little confused about what to get, but to have it like that and then for Jack to be like, whoa, no, absolutely, no. Like, okay, dude. And the thing is, like, you would think, because, like, we see him playing with that kid, so you would think that he would be a little bit more like, oh, I'm not ready for a baby, but, like, maybe one day, like, way down the line, like, I feel like that conversation would have made more sense to me. Because, like, there's one thing about, like, and, like, or if he was very much, like, you know, like, I definitely don't want kids, that's not a bad thing to say either. Because, like, Prue was even saying that last season. It's just kind of the way they're playing it, like, oh, I'm that I'm immature. I'm not that guy. Like they're just playing up this part of his character too much for me. And it's like, yeah. why does Jack have no additional depth to him? Yeah. He's a very surface level character. I mean, you can already tell by the way that it is. Like there haven't been any real emotional connections, you know, between them. Like we haven't really seen anything that crazy. And I'm sure we've noticed by now that when they're developing an actual relationship, we see more of that, like with Dan and Piper, Leo and Piper. But with Prue and Jack, it's kind of like, like, okay, this isn't going to last. Like, we we all know this is some sort of, like, weird rebound fling that we just kind of have to sit through until it's over. Yeah, but the thing is, even if you're writing a fling, like, you could still make him a fully fleshed out character. Like, I yeah. hate that they make him so one-dimensional. Yeah. And, like... I mean, he's been around for how many episodes now? This is probably his seventh episode that he's been in. Yeah, for him to be in the seventh and he still has like he's still so one level flat character. Yeah, for him to be in the show this long and and to be like that. I mean, they have one day characters that have better, more character than this guy. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like one episode, like Clay. Come on. And then we get even uh, in one Eric episode. Misha Collins character, like he had more depth to him. And like Jack, we've had him around so long. And I feel like they're taking the fact that this guy is a comedic actor and just not doing anything to develop his character further because they know he can play this type of role. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely see that too. I do wish they would add a little more, like for him to be around this long. It's kind of like we know nothing about you. Like you're not even like a. A meaningful character at all yeah like we've either seen you be like low-key misogynistic and a dick or just like the joke character yeah but nothing beyond those two things like we, we've gotten small glimpses at moments where i'm like oh jack is an okay guy why can't they stay on that track and then they just bring him back to the serve one of his two surface level traits yeah they have never like stuck to because it'll seem like, oh, yeah, things are, like, really working for them. Like, it's getting there. I see this, like, little spark. But it just never got past that. They yeah. won't let it. It's a shame because, like, 
they, when they have those moments of chemistry between them, like I like it and I'm interested, but then they always go back to this dynamic that just isn't that interesting. Yeah, I I totally agree. So now we move back to the manor and Dan and Piper are in the kitchen. Dan's holding baby Matthew and he's like super calm and comfortable. And Piper's looking at him, telling him he's amazing and nothing worked for her. And Dan's like, well, it helps to come from a big family. And he keeps just doing really well with him. And Piper's all smiley. And Dan's like, you're staring. And she's like, I like seeing you this way. And then the door opens and closes. And it's Prue with, like, bags of stuff from the store. And she's like, you have no idea how expensive having a baby is. So I'll tell you. $312.46 to be exact. And Dan says his her timing's perfect because the baby needs a change. And they lay out like a little blanket thing on the table and Prue starts changing him. And then Dan's like, I can do it because Prue and Piper are like kind of all over the place doing this. But they're like, no, no, we got it. And then as soon as they open the diaper, the baby starts to pee on them and Piper freezes him. Then Prue steps out of the way and like they unfreeze it. Dan's like, boys will be boys. And then they continue to change him, but they realize that the diaper is the wrong size and it doesn't fit, which also looked super fake, but whatever. <laughs> um, and then Dan's like, here, I got it. And he picks up a cloth and like makes a diaper out of cloth for him. And then he also offers to pick up the right size on, the, on his way home and he gives the baby to Prue and then leaves. And she gives the baby back to Piper and like, it's like, okay, I got to go and kind of runs out the door. And Piper's like, that's twice I'm counting. <laughs> so again more just little plot with the baby I feel like this was kind of to demonstrate like them still not knowing what they're doing be a little comedic and then kind of show more of that side of Dan how he's just fucking perfect in every way no literally like this <laughs> scene was reminding me because like um it's one of those things that I've noticed like as I've gotten older like when I see like guys I like with like a baby or like with kids and they're like good with them like it's so attractive so like it's I totally so get the way that Piper's feeling in yeah. this scene. no I I totally do too like I think that I think it's like really attractive which is like weird because it's not like it's not like in that moment I'm like oh my god like let's have a baby right now like that's not but it's just really attractive to see that side of a guy like the maturity the comforting knowing that like oh we you know he would be a good guy like a good father or whatever like something about that is really really nice I don't think that his position was overplayed like I think they made it like you know like oh I came from a big family and he's doing a good job like it felt very natural there yeah and, and we also know he's an uncle like it, it makes sense that he would be like good with exactly kids. like it, it didn't feel like out of, out of place for him at all Prue also putting on that diaper like that diaper totally fit she was like, like, I saw her, she had the thing folded in and was like pulling it over and was like, oh, it doesn't fit. Like, but it does though. Like, <laughs> yeah, they really should have gotten one that was like more obviously that either too big or too small for the Yeah. Baby. Like, why wouldn't you get a little, like a smaller, like a newborn size? That or like a bigger like... one that's for like a, like two-year-old, you know yeah, what I mean? Like exactly. something like... that would very obviously be the wrong size. Exactly. Like that was like, it totally could have worked, but. It, like, covered his entire body perfectly, and they were like, oh, it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> but that's all right. So then we're at the police station, and Phoebe's going over her description with the sketch artist and Daryl. 
And the artist asks if they're looking for a murder suspect and Daryl's like, no questions. <laughs> and he's like, well, I still need to know what to do when I'm done with the sketch. Do I put it on the wire, put out an APB or ship it to the psychic hotline? And that's when Phoebe's like, oh, that's him. And Daryl tells him to run it through the database and try to get him a name. And he starts to ask questions again. And Daryl's like, just do it. The one thing I'll say is the sketch looked nothing like the guy. Like, okay, I don't get how right? they recognized from that. That I that looked nothing like the guy in the picture. Phoebe's like, yeah, that's him. That's him. Like, <laughs> I'm like, is it? <laughs> that could have been so many different. That looks nothing like him at all. The only thing they have in common is they both have like basic white features like yeah and like maybe cur the curly hair like that was like the closest thing they got but it really didn't look like the guy at all yeah I was like oh if you say so oh, yeah. but I really liked <laughs> I really like the way like they're playing up this idea that like people are like kind of like sketched out by like Daryl's like supernatural stuff and like making yeah. fun of it but Daryl's like so important that like he just tells them to shut up I kind of like it and it works yeah I love it I like that that he's in that sort of position or has that type of authority where like people just won't fuck with him like that you know yeah so now we are at Buckland's slash the police station it's like a phone call between Phoebe and Prue and Prue receives the sketch through a fax machine and is on the phone with Phoebe. And as soon as she sees it, she's like, Gilbert Van Leeuwen. And Phoebe's like, you know him? She's like, well, I know the name. His family has a huge art collection, part of which they wanted to sell when his father mysteriously died last summer. Wait, I just read somewhere that his brother died a couple of days ago, too. And Phoebe's like, so it sounds like the ghost isn't just after baby Matthew. And Phoebe says that they should meet at the Van Leeuwen estate and says that it would help to have an act of power if the ghost is there. She's like, sure, who wants to go to New York anyway? And they end the call. And then Jack walks into the office with lunch and Prue just kind of looks at the drawing again. You can tell here she's obviously like, like, this sucks. Like, I wanted this is something I wanted to do, but like, is still gonna choose saving lives over that, of course. Like, that's her responsibility. But it is it does kind of suck because you see that part where it's like sometimes it feels like we're finding this balance between our powers in real life. But, you know, now we can't like it, it just goes back and forth where it's like sometimes when I just want to do something for me for once, I have to. It's have like to that really grand else. responsibility. Like, exactly. It's sort of like it kind of reminds me of the idea of like. If you had a family, right, and you have to like choose your family before like things you want like personally like that's kind of like what their powers are it's like this greater responsibility that they're always gonna have to put first exactly and it kind of sucks because you can see how her especially Prue because she really even before like never did anything for herself you know and this is something she wants to do wants to enjoy and I think we're I'm like starting to develop that idea from her that like she's always so focused on work or focused on home like that's really her whole life and I'm starting to see her like kind of slowly get tired of it it feels like yeah I think that Prue is starting to realize that like there's more she wants out of life than just her responsibilities and I exactly. think that seeing that develop in her character is is interesting and will continue to be interesting as we move on yeah agreed again her immediately pulling out the facts and it's like Gilbert Van Leeuwen 
I would have pulled that out and been like, I have no idea who the hell this is. I couldn't no, tell you thieves. Like, <laughs> but other than that, I mean, I feel like it worked the way that they had her recognize it. Because I feel like if all they had was that sketch, they really would have never found this guy. I felt like it was kind of like it worked that it was like, oh, this guy's rich and like his family had a collection here. That's why I know him. So yeah. that made sense to me. Me too. So then we're at the Van Leeuwen estate and Gilbert and Alexandra are arguing. She's asking where Matthew is and telling him he can't just abandon their baby. He says, I had to. He would have gotten to him tomorrow at the christening. I know it. That's when he strikes at the moment of greatest joy. And Alexandra doesn't believe in the ghost. But then they hear a noise and Gilbert says that it's him. And that's when his mother comes running in the room. She's like, Gilbert, you've got to get out of here now. And then the ghost appears and says, too late, Martha. He's next. And she says, no, not again. I've suffered enough. Please spare my last son. And the ghost says, if he brings the baby back, perhaps. And Gilbert says, never. So the ghost, like, electrocutes him, and it, like, pushes him out of the room, and he falls off the railing down, like, the flight to the floor and dies. And the ghost is like, you're stuck here, Martha. I won't let you leave until you've watched me kill every last male in your family. And then that's the end of that scene. I do have a couple things to say, but I... It's going to make more sense once we know more of the story. So I, I'm just going to let that wait. But I like that they showed this, you know, this little scene here of Gilbert dying, Alexandra and Martha. Uh, we're starting to develop a little more who this is. Like, obviously, this ghost has some sort of weird connection to this family and is pissed off specifically at this Martha character mm -hmm. for some reason. Yeah. And, you know, similar to you, I'll have more to say as we learn more of the backstory and get to know these characters more. Um, but exactly. RIP to Gilbert, because it was nice seeing you for one scene. Yeah, it was nice to meet you, that one scene. So now we are at the Van Leeuwen estate still, but this is kind of later on. And Piper's Jeep pulls up and Prue gets out of it. And there are police and EMTs there. And she walks over to Phoebe and Daryl and asks what's going on. And Daryl's like, apparently Gilbert Van Leeuwen fell over the banister. I think the medical examiner is going to list the cause of death as accidental. And Phoebe says, then there sure have been a lot of accidents around here lately. Daryl says, welcome to homicide. And Prue says, poor Matthew. Daryl's like, we don't know for sure that Gilbert was his father. And Phoebe says that they need to find out. He tells her this isn't his crime scene and they aren't even cops. And Prue tells him, like, we have to find out. And Daryl kind of lets them. Which is like, so, I kind of like that about Daryl. Like he, as much as like he wants to keep his reputation and is trying to do things by the book, like he's still not going to let, like he's still going to let the girls do what they have to do because at the end of the day, he wants to save, like he's got that in him just as much. Like yeah, saving people is more important than protecting his career. Yeah, I totally agree. There's also another thing I want to bring up that's like totally a side note. So Prue has a car. Why is she always driving Piper's car places? Yeah. Like, it's know. so weird to me because, like, okay, like, in my house, for example, like, everyone has their own car, right? I'm yeah. never just, like, leaving with other people's car. I always take my car when I leave the yeah. house. The only time, like, I've ever done that is 
like recently, if there was when, something when wrong my... with my car exactly. then i've like used someone else's car but i'm exactly. not just like randomly being like you know what i feel like taking ashley's car instead yeah i know like it's just no problem i don't know she's doesn't she have like a black like little porsche or something like that it's not a porsche but it's like a little black car yeah yeah. Like it makes sense when Phoebe's driving like one of their cars because Phoebe doesn't have her own car. But exactly. Prue has her own car. Why is she heading Piper's Jeep? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I don't even know. <laughs> so they all go inside the house and Daryl walks in and says to like the cops, like, they're with me. I'm talking about Prue and Phoebe. And the cops like, let me guess, your psychic friends. And Daryl's like, let me guess, you want to be a meter maid. <laughs> <laughs> he tells him that this is the mom or that the mom martha called it in and then he tells prue and phoebe he like i will do all the talking to her and they're like okay and they all walk over and he introduces himself and says that he has a couple of questions for her and her daughter-in-law martha says that alexandra is resting and he asks if she's with her baby and she's like no my grandson's staying at his aunt's in sonoma and she's like, I'm sorry, Inspector, I just really don't feel like talking anymore. And Prue and Phoebe start, like, sneaking up the stairs as, as Daryl finishes talking to Martha and, like, turns around and is like, like, where'd these bitches go? <laughs> and then they go into the baby's room and see a picture of Matthew and his parents and as well as a pillow that matches his blanket. And Prue's like, they must love him dearly. I can't imagine how painful it must have been to let him go. Phoebe's like, we probably shouldn't mention where the baby is in case Casper's still around and Prue nods then Alexandra approaches and asks what they're doing there and who they are and Phoebe's like I'm Phoebe and this is my sister Prue and we are and then Prue cuts her off and is like grief counselors with the police department she says that she doesn't need any counseling she just needs to be alone and Phoebe says that they can help her she's like oh yeah can you bring back my husband and Prue says no but maybe somebody else and they just kind of look at each other and Alexandra tells them to leave and she walks out of the room it, it makes sense to me that they didn't bring it up to her right away you know like they kind of just came there to confirm and like they're scared to mention that in case the ghost could like follow them like yeah exactly because I mean we'll learn this in a few scenes but the ghost can't leave the estate but they don't know that yet so yeah. they obviously don't want the ghost to find out they have the baby and follow them back home exactly I feel like this is really just like you said developing that relationship with Alexandra that way when they meet up again later there will be that first meeting exactly all right so then we're back at the manor and it's nighttime Matthew's crying and Piper is holding him Prue and Phoebe are sitting at the kitchen table on like their computer and stuff and Piper asks if it's someone else's turn to hold the baby Phoebe says just a little bit longer Piper I had no idea there was so so much information about the Van Leeuwens on the internet Prue says yeah and Jack pushed the presentation which means I've got until tomorrow morning to salvage it Piper says I don't know why you didn't just come out and tell them we had Matthew Prue says we couldn't risk the ghost following us home and finding him they need to figure out how to vanquish the ghost before social services comes. Phoebe says that ghosts always haunt for a specific reason, and it's always personal, and she's going to work on finding out who the ghost is. Piper says, no, I'm going to find him, and she hands Matthew to Phoebe. And Phoebe starts rocking him, but he won't stop crying. She tries to burp him, and he throws up right on Prue's presentation. And Piper says, something tells me it's going to be a very long night. And Prue kind of like puts down her pen. 
Then we cut to the living room. We see some clocks and it's now two in the morning. Prue's holding Matthew and Piper and Phoebe are on the couch. Piper says, I thought babies sleep a lot. And Phoebe says, yeah, obviously one of those lies they tell you. So you'll want to get pregnant. <laughs> and Piper says, so much for being a natural. And Phoebe says, hey, everyone has their limits. She's still searching, but, you know, the Van Leeuwens are seriously loaded and there could be hundreds of dead people that could be holding a grudge against them. Prue says to focus on the time that Martha's husband died because that was the first victim. And then Matthew starts crying again and she lays him down and kind of dumps out her purse and is making all the objects like float above him. And he loves it. And then he poops. <laughs> and then they're in the kitchen and an hour has passed and Prue's washing him in the sink and Piper's on the computer. And she finds out that the Van Leeuwen chauffeur, Elias Lundy, disappeared just before Martha's husband died. And Prue says that maybe he just took off, but then Piper says, well, if he did, he took off without anything he owned, including his saving account and his car. Prue thinks that they should ask Martha about it, and Piper says, yeah, if she'll talk to us. And Prue says, well, if she ever wants to get her grandson back safe, she will. That's when Phoebe walks in with the Book of Shadows, thinking that maybe their mom had a spell to, like, deal with the crying baby. But when they get to a page about it, it just says, sometimes a baby ha just has to cry. And Prue's like, thanks, mom. And Phoebe says, I don't understand why this is so hard. We're women. This should be in our DNA. Matthew starts crying again, and Piper freezes him and says, I can't keep doing this all night. Gotta say, that is pretty convenient that they could just freeze the baby. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, I do also another little side note. Piper's power is to freeze time, right? But time still passes, no? Yes, it does. Mm -hmm. Okay, so she's not really freezing time. She's freezing, like, molecules, basically. Yeah. Like, slowing those down. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. Because I was like, it doesn't really make sense that she can freeze them and then time stops. So I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, just... it's not like Tempest's power where she could actually, like, move time back and forward. Like, she uh -huh. can just freeze things in the moment but like time still goes on that's why like in the episode with nicholas like the clock kept right ticking even though like he was frozen for a few moments exactly okay yeah i just wanted to be clear on that because when they say freeze time it does sound like something different but i get it but anyways that was just a side note um i like this whole collection of like scenes throughout the night showing them doing their research but having to take care of the baby Prue still doing her work like it's pretty cute like I don't have too much to say about it but like it, it started to work well and you can see them kind of slowly starting to you know see like make Matthew happy and do those things and kind of enjoy his time a little more even though they are frustrated with all the crying you know yeah definitely and I mean you know I'd, I've never had a baby around, but like this is something you've experienced. So I'm sure you can relate to this, like the baby crying in the middle of the night and you have other things going on in your life and it just oh yeah, be a definitely. little stressful. Definitely. Like the stress does make sense. You know, I mean, even for just a night or two, however long they had him, like it is, you can see that like babies, babies don't pretend for other people, you know, like they, they just do what they got to do. <laughs> So they're, the fact that they're experiencing it, it does feel very realistic. Like this made, this worked for me. 
Yeah, and I mean, a lot of the little lines, you know, like, obviously, it's one of those lies they tell you, so you'll want to get pregnant. Like, that was funny to me. Yeah. And, like, kind of that frustration of, like, we're women, like, this should be in our DNA. Because I feel like that is one of those things where, like, people expect that, like, the second you become a mother, you'll just be, like, perfect at it. But it's, like, Mm -hmm. actually something that obviously, like, no matter what is going to take you, like, time to, like, get used to and, like learn the differences and like what your baby needs and stuff so I I like that they're kind of showing that it's not just like super easy like it is something that you have to adapt to yeah no matter who you are you know exactly and you know the fact that they figured out who the ghost is we'll find that out soon but like they made those connections and they were able to solve what they needed to solve even while taking care of the crying baby exactly it definitely like that whole scene flowed very well for me and now we know who this guy is I mean we don't know what happened but Elias Lundy their chauffeur randomly disappeared right before their husband obviously that's going to kind of have something to do with what's going on exactly but I guess now it's like okay to bring it up why like he's just he was just a human like a chauffeur whatever if for some reason or however he died or whatever, why does he all of a sudden have this like electrocuting power? Yeah, I don't know. Like um, where did like we had never had a ghost that like has powers when they were immortal. I mean, I know that there are we have had people who are like, oh, they were like the whole thing with Andy and the Wendigo, you know, like she was a human, but her heart turned cold and she turned into this using black magic. So that, like, we do have things that are, like, people can develop into things like that, but I've never really seen it with a ghost, I guess. Yeah, because, like, when we think back to, like, Mark, he didn't have any powers. We think back to, like, Jackson Ward. He didn't have any powers. He had, like, very little ability to control objects, and he'd been a ghost for, like, decades. Yeah. This guy's been a ghost for a year. Kind of move things and go through walls. Like, that's normal ghost shit, but to have, like, full-on powers but I I guess they also have you know implied the idea a couple of times of like super angry creatures can turn into like something different but it just like I wish it were a little explained better because it doesn't really make that much sense yeah I don't really get that aspect of it either it's one of those things I'm gonna chalk up to plot's sake yeah So then it flashes to outside and it's nighttime and all the lights are in the downstairs of the manor. Um, And then it like changes to morning time. And then in the kitchen, we see the girls are all sitting, sleeping at the table with their heads down. And Dan is in there holding Matthew, who's like awake and happy. And then Piper wakes up and smiles at them. And Dan's like, what? Piper's like just wondering if you're too good to be true Dan's like maybe you'll find out through personal experience one day and then he gives her the baby and says that he has to go to work and she thanks him he says that the baby really is beautiful just like his cousin oh and then they kiss and Dan leaves and Piper puts Matthew back in his carrier and the door closes and it wakes up Prue and Phoebe Prue realizes that she's late to work and she gets up and runs out the door And then Phoebe says that she has to go to Martha and asks if Piper will come. And she's like, yep. And then they all start to go. And then they, like, all walk back into the kitchen um, and see, like, realize Matthew's still there. And it's like, 
well, what are we going to do about him? And it was like just kind of a little funny scene, but that's how it ends. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I don't really have too much to say here. I mean, the Dan and Piper moment is cute, but it's stuff we already kind of knew from their previous scene together. It's not really adding anything. It's just kind of continuing their storyline and then pushing us to the next scene, really. Exactly. So then we're at Buckland's and Prue is sitting at her desk when Jack walks in. He asks if she's ready to wow Caldwell and then he hears the baby behind her desk and we see that Matthew's literally in her drawer. And (laughs) Prue thinks that they should talk to their boss about a daycare center. She's like, I mean, I'm not the only one with a child around here. And Jack's like, Prue, unless you have a really big surprise for me, you don't have a kid. (laughs) She's like, I know that, but I'm going to one day. And then Matthew starts crying and she like soothes him and she starts talking about all the things she figured out about the baby, but Jack is super focused on New York and like not interested in what she's saying. She starts to tell him that she didn't finish the presentation and he says, you know, I figured you were probably still in a family crisis, especially after the 10th unanswered call. So I hope you don't mind, but I took the liberty of finishing the presentation myself anything to get you to New York. And she smiles and runs over and kisses him and is like, you're the best. And just as they're kissing, their boss walks in and he says, he certainly is. And they move apart from each other. And then Caldwell says, and since I need my best and brightest in New York, I'm taking you out of the running, Hallowell. And Jack tells him he finished the presentation based on her file and that she had a family emergency. Their boss says, she has a lot of those, doesn't she? And then he says that Jack should show his presentation to the client at noon, and then he leaves, and Matthew starts crying again, and Prue just smiles at Matthew, so she's obviously not that concerned about what's going on. Yeah, you see Prue a little more, like, less focused on New York and more focused on the things at hand, you know? Yeah, The more important things. So a lot of what I'm feeling in this scene is... And part of me gets it because I know that Prue leaves work a lot and she like puts her other aspects of her life ahead of her job. But I don't like the way that a man is giving another man all the credit for a job that Prue did most of this. Like Jack literally just finished it. And it's like, oh, well, obviously Jack is the better worker and Prue you have too many things going on in your life. And it reminds me of the way like a lot of women are treated in the workplace where it's kind of this idea of like, oh, well, if a woman has a family, like she can't be a good worker because her family is going to come first. Right. So it just kind of reminds me of that idea, which I think is something that's common. And it's one of the reasons for the wage gap. So it's one of those things that even though Prue's causes are supernatural, I think that we can kind of connect it to the fact that like, no matter what the circumstance might be, women are treated that way in the workplace. And Jack is getting all the credit for work where, yes, he finished it, but she still did most of it. Yeah. And it's nice that he can realize that. I mean, also it is because he wants her to be in New York with him, but like, it is nice that he acknowledges like, oh, I couldn't have done it without her, like her file. Um, And Prue had been like, like she even said it earlier, I've been working late for the past couple nights. I've been doing this, finishing the presentation and whatever. It, you know, it it did feel very unfair and I totally see what you're talking about. I mean, I I do understand the whole 
boss being frustrated because she always seems to have something going on but she still pulls through at the end of the day and gets her shit done you know always has even a few episodes ago like she was the one who got them the two hundred seventy five thousand dollar collection not jack yeah exactly i mean it did kind of work out conveniently for her but still like if it hadn't been that she had another thing going on she would have been working her ass off to do that like we've seen her work day and night so many times throughout the show and so for her to like get new bosses every time that just kind of belittle her it does feel very much like this is how it is for women in the workplace sometimes not all the time but a lot of the times it does happen it's like it's it's super unfair you know like we've yet to see that happen to a man in this show yeah and I will also say I mean their like PDA at work is inappropriate so yeah yeah I feel their boss being bothered by that um what you know yeah that would have been like um okay I mean I don't think that's even really allowed but that's okay yeah like make out on your own time what the yeah but like those things I get from Caldwell but the also you know the point the points you were making like yeah it does it does show a lot of that which is kind of I wish they would acknowledge it more you know Um, but they do show it like subtly And I do like that, like, Prue brings up the idea of, like, oh, like, there are plenty of people at this office who have a child, like, we should be doing more about childcare, which yeah. I think is just a comment on, like, U.S. corporations in general. Like, there should be more done to allow people to be a parent and work and, mm-hmm. like, not have it be you can only do one or the other. So I totally yeah. agree with that as well. No, I definitely do, too. It's not, It's not fair. It's not right. And to have places that, like, to have jobs which is always something I think about too being that I'm like like I'm in in the service industry like I I work at a bar I'm never going to be able to I mean not that I'm planning to anytime soon but say I did have a child and that was like my set job I would never be able to take care of the baby there so in office settings where that actually is possible I feel like a lot more places should have child care options and things like that which is like, it's definitely true. Yeah, I mean, even in, like, something like what I do, like, if I had a baby, like, I would want to be able to, um, you know, take time off and stuff. And I know that, like, you know, in a job like mine, like, they do have really good, like, maternity leave and stuff like that, and paternity mm-hmm. leave um, as well, because I know one of the men in my department last semester, his partner did have a baby and he was able to take off the semester to spend with the new baby as well, which was really great because we are in the type of job where things like that are allowed, where some places don't give you any type of leave at all or like very short. So I'm lucky enough to be like in a environment where that's something. But also like I could cut down to part-time, like I have options in that where like people in other industries don't. So it's just hard to see that like not all industries would support people wanting to have a family. Exactly. Especially Prue's like job. I mean, we kind of don't know, like we've had this discussion about whether it's like a chain or like a big, like, cause he said Buckland's plural. I don't know, but it comes across like it's a very big, important company that makes good money, like can afford this. And the workers always need to be there on top of things, the way that they ride Prue's ass. So you would think that they would be more considerate about things like that, which they obviously aren't. So 
Now we are back at the Van Leeuwen estate and Phoebe and Piper walk up to the door and start knocking on it and Martha answers and Phoebe says that they need to talk to her and she's like are you with the police and they say no but they are here to help and then Phoebe's like does the name Elias Lundy mean anything to you and Martha kind of gives her a look and Alexandra comes over to tell Martha that the funeral home called and then she sees Phoebe and asks what she's doing here and Phoebe and Piper go over and she's like, I'm here because we really need to talk to you. And I think you know what about. Martha starts to ask who they are and what they want. And Phoebe pulls out a piece of Matthew's blanket and hands it to Alexandra. And her face like drops. She's like, please tell me he's okay. And Phoebe nods and Piper says, please come with us someplace safe where we can talk about this. And that's when the ghost appears and like slowly pulls the piece of blanket out of her hand. And he's like, where is the child and Alexandra says no please don't tell him and he starts to shoot electricity and Piper freezes it but not him he didn't freeze and he's like what are you witches and she's like I've frozen ghosts before haven't I and Phoebe's like okay Piper now's not the time just unfreeze them so we can get them out of here and then they unfreeze and they all Phoebe yells for them to duck and they all do and then they all run out like through Elias's body but as they're running out the door he hits Martha with electricity and she falls down and the other three are already out the door at this point and they see that like the ghost tries to walk out but he can't leave the house and then he says bring me the child or she's dead and he slams the door shut and Martha looks at him and she's like looks like I'm not the only one stuck here and he looks at her too so now we do know that Elias can't leave the house I do wonder what this hold he has on Martha is, like, why she couldn't move away. Like, if he wasn't able to leave this area, like, why can't she go places? I think physically she can. Um, I think when he says that she can't leave, it's referencing what we'll find out later about how she tried to sell the house and he, like, stopped, wouldn't let her. Yeah, but I get that. But it's like, how, though? Like, how do you not? Like, how did he how did he stop them you know like I, I don't know I, I maybe I like it, when but... people were coming to look like he would do things to make the place like like no oh. one would want it you know what I mean no that makes sense yeah probably made it very I could see how he'd make it very difficult and how the rest of them didn't leave because they wouldn't believe her yeah but it's also weird to me because like if she was the only one that knew about the ghost and nobody believed her like he's right here openly just showing himself to strangers like <laughs> I don't know maybe he like wasn't before I I, I don't know <laughs> now that they're down to the last one it's okay the last yeah boy. so then we're at p3 and Piper's behind the bar and Phoebe and Alexandra are sitting drinking coffee Piper says you know you'd be a lot more comfortable at our place with your baby and she says it's too much of a risk. As much as I'm dying to see him and to hold him, I just can't. Phoebe says, I don't think the ghost can follow you or us. I mean, he couldn't chase us out of the house. I don't think he can leave the house. And Alexandra says, but you're not positive. I mean, you don't know that for sure, do you? I've seen what he can do. I watched him kill my husband. I won't watch him hurt my son. Piper tells her that everything will be okay. And Phoebe says... Now, what did your husband tell you about Elias Lundy? And she tells the story. She says that he was their chauffeur, but he was obsessed with Martha. 
He even carved his and Martha's initials onto the largest oak tree on the grounds. Like, okay, are they in middle school? I know. (laughs) Um, She's like, I've seen it. But one day, apparently, his obsession got out of hand and Lundy attacked Martha. My father-in-law lured him out to the same tree and shot him in the back, buried him on the grounds and covered it up. A week later, my father-in-law mysteriously died. And then Gilbert's brother, then his uncle, they all just looked like accidents, you know, bad luck. Martha knew, but she just couldn't convince anybody. And Phoebe says, I don't understand why you stayed in that house. Why didn't Gilbert get you out of there? And she tells her that um, Gilbert didn't believe the story until his brother died. And that Martha tried to sell the house once, but Lundy wouldn't let her. He says he wants her to suffer for what her husband did to him, and he's not going to quit until he gets Matthew too. Then Phoebe says, yeah, well, we won't quit until we get him. And they ask again where the body is buried. So I like that we get kind of all the background here, you know, like now we know pretty much exactly what happened and why this guy is so mad at her, why he's trying to make her suffer um and you know doing this yeah and I feel like it does it makes sense that she's like you know I want to see my son like that's such a hard thing to imagine like a mother going through that especially after losing your husband what yesterday but the fact that she's very like you know protecting him like I want to see him so bad but I, I can't risk him getting hurt is like such a motherly instinct that just hits my heart <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And, you know, we now get the full family history and we kind of understand what happened. And, you know, there are parts that we've already discussed that are a little questionable, but Mm -hmm. overall it does make sense. And I'm excited to see like where the story's going, what's going to happen with the ghost, how they're going to protect Martha and reunite this family. Agreed. Me too. So now we are at Buckland's again and Prue is with Matthew by the elevator, and Jack runs up, and he says that he told Caldwell he couldn't have finished the presentation without the work you did, and I couldn't do the job to his level of quality without my beautiful partner, and she smiles at him, and he says, plane leaves in two hours. Sorry, squirt. We only got two tickets. Prue says, kids under two fly for free, and Jack's like, afraid. I was afraid you were going to say that, and then he's like, you know what? Whatever. I'm game. And she laughs and she's like, Jack, that's sweet. Thank you so much for sticking up for me, but I can't, I got to get home. I'm sorry. And Jack's like, yeah, me too. And she gets in the elevator and he's like, you two make a nice couple. And she's like, thank you. And like kisses Matthew's head and is all happy and smiley with the baby. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I I liked this scene. Um, This is one of those moments where I really think the like banter between Jack and Prue is working really well. Um, and I do like, you know, the way he's kind of like, you know what, I'm game, bring the baby with you. I thought that was a sweet moment for him and for their relationship. So I did like that development. I know I've been shitting on a lot of like the way Jack is written throughout this episode and previous episodes, but this is one of those scenes where they're actually doing something interesting with his character. And I just wish we got more of it. Exactly. Like this is like you were saying it's like they give us a glimpse of it and then we're like expecting like okay things are changing and then it just goes right back to his surface level like you know characteristics so I'm not expecting too much from here but that was a really sweet scene it was very cute like it worked for me and it sucks that you know it doesn't stick that way with him 
Exactly. So then we're back at the manor and we're in the kitchen. Phoebe's making a potion and Piper walks in and says that Prue's almost back. Phoebe says, you know, I could have sworn that I'd be good at this whole baby thing. I mean, I love kids. I'm giving. I'm a good person. And Piper says, Phoebe, I don't think Matthew was rejecting you personally, at least no more than the rest of us. And she's like, then why do I feel like such a failure? Every time I get close to the little guy, he either opens his mouth or his bowels. Call me kooky, but that feels like rejection to me. And Piper says it takes a lot of time to figure out how to take care of babies properly. It's a lot of work. Phoebe says a lot more than I thought, actually. And, you know, Piper says we should be grateful for a little time off. And Phoebe's like, absolutely. And then a couple seconds later, she's like, I miss him. And Piper laughs. And she says, you know, it is a little quiet around here. And then they get back to making their plan. And Phoebe tells Piper that they need shovels because they need to put the potion over his bones and dig him up. Phoebe then says the only other way to vanquish him is to destroy the object of the curse, which is Martha, and they need to save her. That's when Prue walks in with Matthew and Piper and Phoebe run over to him and start like baby talking. Prue asks if they're ready. They say that they are. And Phoebe says that someone should should stay there with Matthew, and they all yell, I'll stay. And then Prue says, looks like we finally all fell for the same guy. That's when the doorbell rings. Phoebe goes to the doorway and answers the door. It's Daryl. He says, time's up, ladies. Social services calls. They want to know where the baby is. Phoebe says, tell them he's with us. He's like, three witches and a baby? I don't think that's going to fly. Piper says, but you can't take him now. I mean, we're this close to vanquishing. He's like, I don't want to hear another ghost story. In the real world, that baby was abandoned, which means if I don't account for him, I could lose my shield. Prue says, not if you can offer a plausible explanation, right? I mean, what if he was kidnapped and then abandoned? You would be a hero. You would be the one reuniting him with his mom. She asks him to hold off for a few more hours and hands the baby to him. They start telling him all the things that Matthew does and doesn't like, and they're like, do you know the jiggle? And Daryl says, of course I know the jiggle. I'm a father. And they head out. Ooh, we know some info about Daryl's personal life, finally. He has a baby. Yeah, I know. We knew nothing about his backstory at all, and now we're finding out that he's got a child. Like, the most we've gotten out of him yet. And now I have, like, questions. I'm like, does Daryl have a wife? Does he have a girlfriend? Like... Yeah, we like, still don't know that. We just know he has a baby. Yeah, that's the, only, the only piece of information. <laughs> yeah, he he says I'm a father. It doesn't say how many or whatever, you know. Exactly, um, but that's no, the but first like excited. hint we've got about his life outside of his job, literally ever. I know. I'm very excited to to discover more because I feel like Daryl's such a mystery at this moment. Like we don't see his outside life at all, and I want to. Yeah, me too. But I'm glad we learned this little piece of information about him, and I'm excited to eventually learn more. Yeah, me too. And, you know, I think it's cute how, like, attached they all are to Matthew now, and how, like, all of them were like, I'll stay. Like, that was really cute, too. Yeah, that that was a very cute scene. Um, And you could see the growth from the beginning of them thinking, like, oh, my God, like a baby. And now to them all being like, oh, like, I don't want to not have him around, like, feeling the difference feeling how quiet it is without him and like it was just such a shift from the beginning and I I thought it was super cute me too and you know of course we have 
an idea of what they're going to do next, which is they have the spell to get rid of Elias's bones and, you know, they have to protect Martha. So we kind of know where things are going from here. Also the plan with Daryl, like kind of changing up the story with Matthew so that they can reunite him with his mom. Yeah. Instead of like her getting in trouble for just abandoning him mm-hmm. and things like that. So it kind of works out for everybody there. So now we are back at the Van Leeuwen estate and Martha is in the baby's room and Elias appears and he says, you can't keep hiding from me, Martha. I'll always find you. And then he shocks the wall next to her and she's like, you can punish me all you'd like, Elias. It doesn't matter. I don't know where Matthew is. And even if I did, I wouldn't tell you. And then he shocks uh, like a boat decoration right next to her and she ducks. And then outside of the estate, we see the sisters pull up in Piper's car and Prue and Phoebe are going to go dig him up while Piper goes inside to protect Martha. So Prue and Phoebe walk up to a tree and they find the initials. And Phoebe is just about to start digging when Prue points out that she's like got a quicker way of doing this. So Phoebe takes the potion and Prue uses her power to pull the bones up to the surface. And Phoebe says, hello, Elias. And then upstairs in Matthew's room, Elias is electrocuting Martha and he says there are many things worse than death Martha you taught me that and she falls over and he's like I can keep doing this forever and he starts shocking her again and Piper freezes it and she's like I don't think so he says bring me the child and I'll spare you and she says actually I think it's a little late for that and he looks confused and then outside we see Phoebe hits his bones with a shovel and up in Matthew's room Elias like feels pain where he where his bones were hit and he's like my bones my grave and he disappears then outside they are about to pour the potion uh on his bones when Elias appears on the balcony and electrocutes them and they kind of jump back and then this the bones sink back down into the earth and disappear and he says you can't vanquish me without my bones can you and they run as he goes to shoot them like with the electricity again so I have a question. Why the fuck was Phoebe hitting his bones with the shovel? Like, why didn't they just dump the potion? I know. I was thinking the same exact thing. Like, why did you feel the need to do that? I mean, I guess they they didn't know yet. Like, I mean, this is a thing in the future where hitting their bones makes the ghost feel the pain. Like, they, they do continue that in future episodes. But I guess this is their first time really experiencing that and knowing that, like, that he would feel it if they did that. But, like, why did you even do that to begin with? Like, why wouldn't you just dump the potion and get it over with, you know? Yeah, like, he was out of the earth. It wasn't like you were digging him up and accidentally hit it. Like, there was literally no yeah. reason to do that. I know. It was so pointless. <laughs> Ugh. So that kind of frustrates me because now they lost it, but whatever. Yeah. And, I mean, other than that, I mean, it was just torturing Martha, Piper going to save her. Yeah. I don't have too much to say. It's mostly plot. So then we're back outside and Phoebe and Prue are running to the front door. They go in and call for Piper. Then they head upstairs where they see she's with Martha. Prue asks if they've seen Lundy and Piper's like, what do you mean? Didn't you vanquish him? Phoebe says no and it doesn't look like we'll ever be able to. He's hidden his bones someplace that we'll never be able to find them. Martha says then you have to get out of here now. Piper says they're not leaving her. Martha says you haven't got a choice if there's any other way, if there's no other way to stop him. And they all kind of look at each other and Piper says it's not an option. Prue agrees. And then Martha wants to know what it is. 
Phoebe says there's one other way to vanquish a ghost, and that's to destroy the object of the wrath. Martha says, are you saying that if I die, he dies too? Piper says, no, our job is to protect the innocent, and that would be you. She says, no, it isn't. It wasn't my husband who shot Elias in the back. It was me. I did it. He wanted me for himself. He said he was going to kill my husband. That's when Elias appears. He says, yet I did, didn't I? How could you, Martha? I loved you. And she gets up and she says, I didn't love you. And he says, they can't protect you forever. She says, you're absolutely right, but I can protect Matthew. And she runs out of the room past him and jumps over the banister and everyone's like, no. And then her ghost like <laughs> comes out of her body and the ghosts are like face to face with each other because she like floats up to like the balcony. And he's like, Martha, what have you done? And she says, killed us both. Go to hell, Elias. And then he starts getting dragged into like this fire pit that appears and she's floating and tells them that this is where she belongs. And then she thanks them for protecting Matthew and fades out and they all look kind of sad. So it was kind of cool, this unexpected, like, like our first option is, you know, not an option anymore. And they're over here thinking they have to protect Martha and everything, but she like uh, sacrifices herself to save everyone else. You know, like that was, uh, it kind of like, as much as it sucks that the first plan around didn't work out because Phoebe wanted to be a dumb bitch, um, like this scene worked for me. <laughs> yeah. I also will say like, I feel bad for Martha because like, okay, not that I'm like trying to justify murder, but like literally the story is that like, Elias attacked her I don't know exactly what that means like what he actually did to her but obviously he did something bad to her he was obsessed with her he was a stalker he threatened to kill her husband like I really don't blame her for this murder no. that much no I, I don't think anybody did now do know? I think I mean... that she should have killed him probably not maybe she could have had him like they were super rich they're definitely connected she could have just had him like arrested taken away whatever but, right. like, if he attacked her and she killed him, like... It's not, like, she's not an innocent, but, like, she's not a huge villain either. Right, yeah, like, she's not a bad person. And, you know, then obviously we see, like, that her sacrifice, like, gets her sent to heaven, so she made it okay in the end. Yeah. And I kind of... And, I mean, the like special effects vanquish... weren't bad here either. No, they really weren't. And I like that this vanquish kind of was, like a human did it you know like it wasn't the sisters that ended this like that killed the ghost it was like a, a mortal yeah like is... her love for her family saved the day exactly like I thought that was that was pretty sweet yeah so now we are back at the manor in the kitchen and it's like morning time and the sisters are all happy and like bathing Matthew in the sink together like laughing having a good time with him and they get him dressed and it moves to the police station where Alexandra is standing with Daryl and the sisters walk in and Phoebe gives the baby to her. She's like, like, oh, my God, like so happy to see him. And Piper gives her the bear she knitted. And she's asked the girls, like, how can I thank you? And Phoebe's like, oh, just let us babysit every once in a while. And Pri says, just take good care of him. And they all kiss him goodbye and they leave. And she, we see, like, Alexandra reunited with Matthew again, which is very sweet. Yeah, a little sweet ending to this sad story. I mean, everyone else in the family is dead, so they're the last two remaining. 
but they're reunited yeah, it's like so bittersweet. happy ending <laughs> yeah I know like their entire family is dead but they make it seem like this ending is amazing because Matthew and Alexandra are reunited which I mean at, to be fair that is probably the best thing going on in her life right now but still not not exactly how you want things to go yeah but no it was a sweet little reunion and you know obviously saying goodbye was a hard thing for the sisters so it was cute all right so then we move to the final scene of the episode we're at p3 and they're all at the bar and phoebe says okay so how many kids do you think i'm gonna have someday prue says i'd say five piper says more at least six phoebe's like ow what makes you say that and Piper says, oh, please, Phoebes, you were born to be a mom. Prue says, no doubt about it. And Phoebe's like, yeah, you think? Oh, I hope so. I miss that little guy already. Although being a surrogate mom for the last 24 hours has taught me I have a long way to go before I'm ready for it full time. I got to get my life together first. Prue says, yeah, um, find a guy, maybe. Phoebe says, that would probably help, huh? They all laugh and, you know... She's like, unlike Piper's guy, who is Mr. Mom, and Prue says, yeah, Dan was really great with Matthew, wasn't he? And Piper says, yeah, I think that's what scares me. He's like, flawless. He's great at everything. He's great looking. He's fun. He's great with babies. Prue says, but? And Piper says, but I don't know. He's just a little too perfect. I feel a little imperfect around him. Phoebe says, well, maybe that's why you were uncomfortable with Matthew. Maybe because of Dan, you were resisting your own maternal instincts. And Prue asks where that came from, and Phoebe says, Cosmo, where else? And they all laugh. Then they spot Jack and tease Prue as she walks over to him. She asks him why he isn't in New York, and he says, I didn't want to go without my partner. Now, I don't want you to think this gesture of mine is any way a sign of evolving maturity in case having your cousin Matthew around gave you any ideas. She says, you know, the only idea I have is that one day, Maybe sooner, maybe later, I'm going to make a great mom. And, you know, hopefully I'll find the right guy. And he says, well, then I think you should know that being as I'm still a kid myself, I don't think I'd be doing anybody any favors by pretending to be that right guy. And she says, well, I didn't say I was looking for the right guy tonight. And he smiles and she says, you'll do. Let's go dance. And she grabs his hand and takes him to the floor. So... This part I actually felt like was fair. I liked yeah. what Jack said here. I liked this discussion. It felt more realistic. It felt more genuine than the one they had in the store. Exactly. I think this came across like more naturally, you know, him being like very honest. Like, I don't think I'm doing anybody any favors to pretend that I'm that guy. Like I like making things very clear to her and her being like, I think she wasn't expecting Jack to be that guy, you know, which kind of gives me more of that vibe of like, this is more of just a rebound, like a fun thing for Prue to do right now, but she doesn't see it going anywhere. And I think they both kind of see that, you know, like it's more of just a fun thing. And she's like, well, I'm not looking for the right guy tonight. Like it's, it felt real to me and genuine, like you said. And um, the whole conversation about Piper and Dan too, I get that like I could totally see why having a guy who's that perfect is like really great but at the same time it's like okay but I kind of feel like a mess around you you know yeah I think a lot of times as like women who are in relationships with men like because traditionally men mature slower than women I think a lot of times 
things kind of happen the opposite way where like a woman is more ready for something. So I think being in the opposite position, I see how that could like bring out insecurities in you and how like when as like if you're either gender, if you're kind of the one who's more behind and not as ready for serious commitments and things like how having a partner who is really good at everything could make you insecure no matter whether you're the man or the woman. Right. I I definitely agree with that. I could totally see that. And like you said, understanding the insecurity and the traditional way of kind of how things typically go, not always, but like it typically is the women who kind of push a little or feel those things a little more, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. or maybe especially in the media like even if it's not true in real life like it's definitely something we see a lot in like books and movies and tv and everything yeah absolutely so I can understand why it feels weird you know like I'd be very confused being in a situation like that Mm -hmm. you know I don't know but it is it is awesome like it it's there's a lot of pros to Dan and he was very sweet throughout this whole episode and he's always there to help them and I, I love it Yeah, me too. And I also, you know, what they were saying to Phoebe about her being a great mom and how, you know, she has to find a guy first, like all that was funny and cute and it really worked. And yeah, I just, I like this final scene. I think it wrapped things up nicely and it was really cute, sisterly. I agree. Definitely like a good ending to a good episode. Yeah, totally. Um, Any other overall thoughts or anything about the episode? Uh, I just want to make it clear, like, watching this I was like I love this episode it's really great I realized that talking about it we kind of like one of those where we were like somewhat crapping on a lot of the things or pointing out a lot of flaws it's not to say it's not a good episode it's just when you pick it apart there are a lot of like holes I guess yeah like it's definitely an entertaining episode like while I was watching it I was like this is good I'm enjoying it I'm having a good time but as I'm like really thinking about the structure and the characters and everything going on like there were definitely some things because we are having more of developing stories and I think that's what makes it easier to pick apart little things is that like now that we have more long-term stories um we have more to say about overall structure Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you want to reach out to us or follow us on social media, we're on Instagram and TikTok at rewitched underscore pod. You can also send us an email to rewitched.pod at gmail.com. And join us back next time for season two, episode 12, Awakened.